which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You, however, continue in these things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Timothy, for reading the scriptures. We see here about faith passed down, faith of the mother, faith of the grandmother uh, passed down to the children. And so I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day once again. And to start, I have some quotes about mothers and Mother's Day. A mother is a person who, seeing there are only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces that she never did care for pie. George Washington, maybe you've heard of him. He said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I, owe, all I am, I owe to my mother. A lady named Pam Brown said, you never realize how much your mother cares about you until you look in the attic and find every letter you have ever sent her, every finger painting, clay pot, bead necklace, Easter chicken, cardboard Santa Claus, paper lace Mother's Day card, and school report since day one. Catholic Social Services says, just because one mother can take care of nine children does not mean nine children can take care of one mother. I like this, which I read from Chuck Swindoll. I smile as I remember the Mother's Day card I saw. It was really cute. It was a great big card written in little child's printing, little first grade printing. On the front was a little boy with untied sneakers. He had a wagon and toys were everywhere. He had a little cut on his face and there were smudges all over the card. It read, Mom, I remember that little prayer you used to say for me every day. And inside the card it said, God help you if you ever do that again. On a more serious note, everybody has heard of Martin Luther, but who knows the name of his mother? The wife of a coal miner who often went hungry, so the little Martin might attend school. And now one that relates more to the message for today. Dr. John F. Wolverd, in the chapel of Dallas Theological Seminary, one day told of a mother who prayed for her son for 60 years. 60 years she prayed for her son to be saved. One week before her death, the mother received a long-distance call from her son saying that he was saved. You know, praise God for the spiritual care from a mother. Generally, generally, it is more the mother than the father who teaches and models the faith for the children and the grandchildren. Not always, but generally. A few weeks ago, I began a sermon series on scriptures that we can pray for our children Today, I wish to talk about the faith of a mother and a grandmother passed on to her son. The faith of a mother and a grandmother passed on to her son. You know, and as I talk about this, sometimes on Mother's Day, we focus all on, 
on mothers as we ought to, for sure. But there are people out here and people in society who never get married and that's okay, or never have children and that's okay, but we can still pass on the faith to the younger generation. We still have the opportunity to be spiritual parents to other, to other um, children and teenagers and young adults. Timothy talked about that, um, I said that wrong, Paul talked about that with respect to Timothy. Paul, the apostle, was like a father to Timothy, a spiritual father. And so even if you're not somebody's mother, you still have the opportunity to act as a paternal or maternal, a maternal influence to that person, to other people. My theme is pass on your faith. 2 Timothy 1.5, Timothy just read, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. Let's talk about 2 Timothy 1.5 for a moment. Notice that Timothy had sincere faith. Timothy had sincere faith. And the adjective translated sincere means without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. It really means not good at acting. Timothy's faith was sincere. It was real. It was not uh, hypocritical. It It was not good at acting. It was not fake. It was real. That's a good thing if we can be told that we have sincere faith, real faith, genuine faith. We don't want to fake that. In fact, we cannot afford to fake that because we know that the younger generation right now and those going on after it have a hypocrite meter that is very sensitive. And if your faith is fake, faith is fake or acted or not sincere, they will see it. And they just walk away from it. It means no value. Timothy's sincere faith came from his mother and even his grandmother. And Paul is certain that it lives on in Timothy. Timothy's faith was a heritage. You know, just think about that for just a moment. A heritage of faith passed on, passed down to the next generation. You know, Timothy was Paul's companion. They traveled through many areas, starting and pastoring many churches. In Acts chapter 16, Paul met Timothy for the first time. But Timothy is already a disciple. And by the time Paul meets him, he's a disciple, and then Timothy begins to travel with Paul. Would Timothy have been that great help to Paul if it weren't for his mother and grandmother and their faith? Timothy's mother and grandmother passed on the faith to him, and then Timothy ends up pastoring the church at Ephesus. There's two letters that bear his name, 1 and 2 Timothy, but they're in the New Testament. How powerful God used his mother and his grandmother. What incomparable value can a mother have in passing on her faith to her children? We can never put a price on the intangible. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 22, Paul writes, But you know of his, which is Timothy's, proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. Paul valued Timothy. Timothy's faith came from God using his grandmother and mother. What great value did Timothy have with the Apostle Paul, and how can we ever know? The Life Application Study Bible shares the following. Timothy was one of the first second-generation Christians. Think about that. 
This is the first of the second generation Christians. He became a Christian not because an evangelist preached a powerful sermon, but because his mother and his grandmother had taught him the Holy Scriptures when he was a small child. A parent's work is vitally important. And at home and in the church, we should realize that teaching small children is both an opportunity and a responsibility. Jesus wanted little children to come to him. We see that in Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Like Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, do your part in leading children to Christ. Now there's one more passage about Timothy's mother and grandmother, and that is in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. And we're going to look at that for a minute or two. Paul says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. By the way, just to put it in context, if you keep reading those next two verses after that, it launches into all Scripture as God breathed and is useful for teaching, reproving, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that a servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But where did Timothy learn them? From infancy, Timothy was taught the scriptures. And this was most likely the Old Testament, although it is possible that the gospel was in there as well. It's probably most likely. This tells us exactly how Timothy's mother and grandmother passed on the heritage of faith. Or at least one way. Timothy was taught the scriptures. He was taught the scriptures. One of my sources says this, and, and I really like this. At least in pious Palestinian Jewish homes, boys were normally taught the sacred writings from around the age of five. From around the age of five, boys were taught the sacred writings. Teaching scriptures to the children was commanded in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6, 7, Psalm 71, 17, Psalm 78, 5 through 7. And you can read the rest of the Old Testament. It all talks about teaching the children. Listen to this. It's underlined. Other peoples were often amazed at how well instructed Jewish children were in their ancestral traditions. The Jewish people were always known as being more literate and more educated because they wanted them to know the Bible. So Timothy was, uh, one way that Timothy caught this heritage of faith was that he was taught the scriptures. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see this. I think his mother and his grandmother must have lived the scriptures. The Christian life must be taught and caught. It's not enough to be full of information. We must model the Christian life as well. I like one thing that Chuck Swindoll shares. He says, for a moment, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you're my executive assistant in a company that is growing rapidly. I am the owner and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay there until the new branch office gets established. I make all the arrangements to take my family and the move to Europe for six to eight months. And I leave you in charge of the busy stateside organization. I tell you that I will write you regularly and give you direction and instructions. I leave and you stay. Months pass. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, 
I drive down to the office. I am stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the streets are broken. I walk into the receptionist room and she's doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to her favorite rock station. I look around and notice the wastebaskets are overflowing. The carpet hasn't been vacuumed for weeks. And nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I ask about your whereabouts and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I move in that direction and bump into you as you are finishing a chess game with, one of our, sales, with our sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a television room for watching afternoon soap operas. What in the world is going on, man? What do you mean, Chuck? Well, look at this place. Don't you, didn't you get any of my letters? Letters. Oh, yeah, sure. Got every one of them. As a matter of fact, Chuck, we have had letter study every Friday night since you left. We have even divided all the personnel into small groups and discussed many of the things you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of, some of your sentences and paragraphs. One or two memorized an entire letter or two. Great stuff in those letters. Sound a little familiar? Chuck uh, Swindoll finishes that illustration with this. Jesus the Lord goes to the bottom line when he said, in effect, I left you an example of what you should do. Carry out my directions. Fulfill my commands. Follow my instructions. That's obedience. That's doing what we are told to do. Timothy's faith was passed on. It was instructed by his mother and grandmother, and it was also caught. It was probably modeled. It wasn't just about memorizing it, though we should memorize the scriptures, and I would encourage you to. And we should read the scriptures, and we have to be instructed in them. But we have to also do what they say. We have to model it. There are many other examples of godly mothers in Scripture. Hannah prayed for a son and God gave her Samuel. 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 2. Would we have had this great prophet and priest named Samuel if it weren't for his mother? By the way, Samuel anointed the first two kings of Israel. In Exodus chapters 2, chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, it was Moses' mother who hid him from the slaughter of Hebrew babies. And there are many other examples. But would it have been Moses who led the people out of Egypt if, if it weren't for his mother? And by the way, I would not um, neglect it, that God used all these mothers. God did the work, and God, you know, was sovereign over everything. With Moses, with his mother, with Hannah, with Samuel, with all of them. With Timothy, with his grandmother and his, mo and his mother. But it just isn't it interesting how God repeatedly has used mothers. I like Swindoll's illustrations, so I have another one for you. He says, a good friend of mine who was raised by a godly pastor's wife tells me that when he was rocked to sleep at night by his mother, she didn't sing to him just little ditties and lullabies. She sang him the hymns of the faith. When he was in the crib, he remembers her leaning over and singing to him, a mighty fortress is our God. And can it be, more love to thee, O Christ, my Jesus, I love thee. Come thou fount of every blessing. 
She sang the deep songs, and he says, I remember. I remember those hymns. In fact, he says, when I got into church, I had heard and learned most of the hymns. A contribution in that young man's life that he'll never forget. That sounds like the faith which Timothy learned from his mother and grandmother. What better heritage can we pass on to our children than our faith? Eternal life is so much more valuable than any material possessions. The reciprocal is also true. We must take care of our mothers. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the scripture says this in John 19, 26 and 27. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Jesus made sure his mother is taken care of. This Mother's Day, take care of your mother. Take care of your children's mother. And encourage others to take care of their mother. And I do realize that this may be a sad Mother's Day for you. For your mother maybe has gone on to be with the Lord. I encourage you to reflect and maybe even write in a journal about all your mother passed on to you. Also, you may have had other maternal roles in your life, a grandmother, an aunt, a family friend, or teacher. God uses many more people to pass on faith to children and young adults as they grow up. If you can, thank them as well, and thank God for mothers. Now, I have one other comment here. God loves us as a mother loves her children. Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but God's, but God's word says, I will not forget you. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Jesus died for your sins. He died for all of our sins. He died on the cross for the wrong things you and I have done. He died on the cross and rose again. If you'd like to receive Christ, all you have to do is confess your sins to God, believe in him, accept him into your life, and commit to him. I'm going to pray, and then before the final worship song, I have a little video clip I want to show you that's a tribute to mothers and all they do. But let's pray together before the mom 